Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Everybody, welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Braden Hafner here, across from me, Matt Klein. Sorry, I had to... I had to press that. Actually, no, we legitimately have a live audience here. Um, they just couldn't contain themselves with Matt. I've, uh, I've not gotten an <laughs> applause for so long in COVID. Thank you for that. I'm, yeah, hey, I'm here to encourage. So yeah, it always feels good to be have applause. <laughs> yeah, you would know what that's like. No, Everyone's applauding you every day. You're, 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 your wife applauds oh, you and you man. come home. This is falling apart here right from the get-go. Let's keep going. <laughs> Anyways, let's get on to this. Uh, so today we are talking everybody about part two, a path out of porn. So last week we talked about awareness of the problem in the path out of porn series. And if you haven't heard that first one, go back because we are doing a four part series here about how to move out of an addiction to pornography. And this is part two. So go back to part one. And this week though, if you have joined us from the following week, we are talking about the next step in that path, which is getting honest and receiving forgiveness. These are two biggies. These are two biggies, important steps on the journey to moving towards freedom and having health and and, uh, hope uh, away from things like porn. So we have a few verses we want to break down here, and we are going to the Bible on this. And if you aren't a Christ follower, please follow along. Just listen along to this, and um, we we invite you to do that, and we welcome you to to, to join us in this. But we're going to go to a few areas here just to have some understanding about what this looks like practically 
in our lives and, and how God engages with us here. So let's do that. Let's go to John 4. Uh, Matt, you want to set the table for this one? or Sure, I can do that. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, getting honest and receiving forgiveness go together. You can't fully receive forgiveness if you're not fully honest because there's still that part that you're, you're holding back and, and you're not receiving forgiveness, whether from God or from people. So, But at the same time, when you are honest, uh, you want to be at a place in a position where you are forgiven, where you're experiencing grace, whether from mm-hmm from people or from God. So so when you look at how Jesus responded to sin or to sinners in the Bible, I, I guess there's two different ways. I mean, one was a, a sinner who's repentant and broken, and the other one is one who's not, like the Pharisees mm-hmm. uh, who'd blaspheme and, and stuff like that. So that was, that was different where it'd get angry. But when someone's broken over their sin, uh, you look at like, man, how did, how did Jesus respond? Because if he responded in that way, like, what did he want from the people? And so we see this in John 4 where there's a woman that he meets at uh, at the well and he's alone and she's alone and it's just them two there. And so, yeah, he, he, you're right, Matt. Like, he was alone, she was alone there too. And he was sitting there and he asked her for a drink of water. Now, to give you some context about this moment, Jesus was Jewish and this woman was Samaritan. Now, in those days, if you don't understand this, Samaritans and Jews just had a lot of enmity hatred uh, almost between each other. They did not like each other as ethnic groups. A lot of history and context behind that. I won't fill you in on that fully, but they had a lot of stuff between them to the point where they didn't want to associate at all. Um, Jews would not associate with anyone from Samaria. They, they just didn't have any connection with each other. And in fact, it was it was looked down upon to even talk with someone that was Samaritan. And not only that, in those days, it was looked down upon even to talk to a woman <laughs> by yeah. herself. And here Jesus is, this woman at the well who's drawing water for her family. She's there. And Jesus starts to engage with her and talk with her. And he asks her for some water. And that starts up a conversation, a dialogue. She was blown away that he would talk to her because he was a man and Jewish and she was Samaritan. She didn't understand why that was. And he was basically sharing the good news about who he was. And she was really intrigued. She told him, you know, like wanted to know more about who he was. And he was talking about how he is the true living water. If you, if you follow him, he'll, Jesus said, he, he's going to give you so much more than the water out of this well, you know, cause you'll get thirsty again. He's saying, I'll give you water. They will never thirst again. Anyways, that said, the reason why we're bringing up this particular thing is, is this Samaritan woman had a lot of stuff in her life, a lot of stuff in her past. We actually find out further on that she had five husbands and she was actually living with a guy at the time. So, I mean, in those days, you can imagine that, I mean, that's, that's pretty shameful. That's pretty scandalous in those days. I mean, even nowadays, if you say you had five husbands, people give you a sideways glance like, whoa. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And the other thing too, is in that day, a woman actually couldn't divorce her husband. Only the, the husband could divorce. So when she says that she's been divorced five times, it was that she'd been rejected five times mm-hmm. and like a man wanted nothing to do with her. That's right. And so for Jesus to talk to her and give her that attention was like, whoa, this is different, right? Very different. And this is something that you think someone would want to hide. There would be no reason to think that this would ever get back to her or that this guy, Jesus, would ever know anything about her. So why would she be willing to tell him the truth? But of course, when we encounter Jesus, it's different. His love and acceptance for us is unprecedented. And the grace he gives us, the love he gives us is just unconditional. And in that moment, he asked her a question. And the reason we're coming to this, this is the crux of it, is because this is exactly how God interacts with us. He knows everything about us. 
Jesus knew everything about this woman, yet he asked her a question, asked her to bring her husband back with her so that he could share more about what he was talking to her about. She had an option in that moment. She had a choice in that moment to lie because who's this guy? There's no way he would know this. Like he's Jewish. He doesn't know my town. He doesn't know the people I know. Of course I could lie to him and, and hide the shameful, shameful secret but that's not what she does. Imagine it's kind of like, kind of like if you have, you know, financial issues your whole life and you're going, man, like you meet someone and you're telling them about, yeah, my past with, with money hasn't been too good. And they go, Hey, can you go, can you buy me lunch? You have a choice in that moment. You can go, you know what? I, I actually don't have any money now. Or you can go, yeah, you know what? I, I, I will buy you lunch because I have money now. That would be when you're operating in pride, you want to show like I've overcome this. I've overcome mm-hmm. my challenges this lady would want to prove that, yeah, I've been rejected in the past, but I'm not rejected now. I have a husband now. But instead, like Braden's saying, she doesn't do that. She gets honest. She was honest. And the invitation, the question that um, she responds to, and it was an invitation, was into the deeper relationship. Because when we're dishonest about things in our life, that creates a wall. It creates a barrier between whoever we're in relationship with that, that is wanting to know this truth. And in this case, though, she's honest and says, I have no husband. And Jesus responds to her and saying, yes, that's true. What you're saying is true. And because of that response that she gave Jesus, that relationship, that conversation went deeper. I think Jesus fully knew in that moment she could go one of two ways. And if she decided to be dishonest, there's only so much we can do with someone who's dishonest, right? Yeah. If they're not going to open themselves up to us, we can only go so deep in relationship with yeah. them. They're not going to receive from us. We're not going to be able to receive from them or whatever. And in this moment, she chose to be fully honest. And because of that, she made a choice to receive from Jesus in a way that was way more profound, way more real than if she'd given a half truth, like oh, he's not my husband yet, or, you know, like we're engaged or whatever else to sugarcoat this kind of shameful thing. She didn't do that. I have no husband. And because of that, as the story goes on in this, her, her actually, her whole town, a good chunk of it gets, gets saved and becomes Christ followers because of this, because of the truth that she gave, you know, she was honest. And so God, like God, like he so loved the world that he sent his one and only son if you so love the world, why doesn't everybody know the love of God? Like, not everybody receives it. But even us who receive the love of God, we accept Jesus as our Savior. If you're not being fully honest, there's a piece of your heart, a part of your life, that you're resisting experiencing the forgiveness and the grace of God, the forgiveness and grace of other people. And you're not letting yourself be loved in that way. Mm-hmm. And so we want to, you know, like I'm saying, be at the point where it's like, yeah, I have my past sins, like my past problems, my past trauma, but I've overcome that. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing to go, you know what? I watched porn. Like I'm still watching porn. I'm still doing this. I'm still struggling currently rather than just talking about it in the past. And that's what she did. And so the first way that Jesus deals with the sinner that we want to touch on is that he wanted to see, are you willing to be honest or are you not? Mm-hmm. And if you're honest, man, I'm going to love you and I'm going to give you grace. Yeah. And the, the, the crazy thing about that too is his love and, and acceptance of us is always there. He has open arms for us, but we can choose to be embraced by him or not, or, you know, we, we can turn away. And that's, that's the choice that we have. And being fully honest is so key in getting free with porn. 
I know that I always had half truths when I was battling porn. I mean, we've talked about this, but I would use a language like, hey, I struggle with lust. Or, you know, in my thought life, I struggle. You know, you use these half-truths, these these sugarcoating kind of language to make it sound better than it really is because you think people won't accept you. And you might say, hey, I don't really do that, God, with God. I confess everything. Or you might say, you know, he fully knows everything. Well, here we are in this story. He knew everything about this woman. Yet <laughs> the fact that she revealed it and shared it opened her up to receive more love and grace than if she had given half-truths. And that's what we have to do. We have to kind of get on our knees and say, this is who I am, this is where I am, this is what's going on. God, I need you. And and being fully honest in that moment. And this is something that often we have a hard time doing. We've never really done it with anybody before. And we know when we share something, we usually, like Matt was just saying, you have a little bit of pride there that you hold on to to make it sound a little bit better, to save face, yeah, to make yourself yourself sound better. You don't want to go out, what I mean, and, and make yourself sound like the worst person in the world. You just got to be honest, though. <laughs> yeah. You just got to yeah. be truthful. Yeah. And we're going to get into, just a little bit later uh, in this episode, we're going to get into what that looks like with people and then with, with spouses and friends. Um, and so make sure you stick around for that. But the next story that we want to touch on in terms of how did Jesus respond to people in sin was in Luke 7. And in Luke 7, there's this this lady who's known as a sinner. Like the people know she's just had a, a, a life of sin. That's what she's done. And so she's at the Pharisee's house where Jesus is having a meal. And she is is standing behind Jesus, crying and worshiping him. And she won't even look him in the face. The reason is because she still loves him, but she's so broken and she doesn't feel like she's worthy to look at God, to look at Jesus in the face. She doesn't think that she can fully enter his presence. And so she stands behind him, but she's worshiping him in her brokenness. And and the, the Pharisee there says, man, like if Jesus knew what a sinner this woman was, uh, he would have nothing to do with her, basically. And you can go read these stories. We encourage you to in John 4 and Luke 7 and and the next one in, in John 8. But with this story, you can go read it. But what the Pharisee says is like, if Jesus knew who she was and what a sinner, he would have nothing to do with her, basically. And Jesus then turns around and looks the woman in the face. Like, how beautiful is that? That the, the, this woman is so full of sin. She's called a sinner by the Pharisee. And Jesus turns around, looks her right in the eyes, gives her the dignity of being God's creation, and calls her woman doesn't call her a sinner like the Pharisee did. He called her woman. And so he looked at her and and he spoke to her identity. He told her who she was. He actually didn't even talk about the sin. He didn't even consider it in terms of speaking to her identity. And so he gives her that dignity and says, man, like basically like, I love you so much. I'm willing to look you in the eyes. I love that you worship me. And I love what he says. He says, because of your great love, like the great love that you've shown me, now you can go in peace. And I'm Mm, like, you, mm. like great love? Like this woman's lived a life of sin. Like she hasn't turned to him in times of temptation and hardship. And when she's seeking pleasure, she doesn't go to God. She goes to sin. But now Jesus is saying, I know, but I've thrown your sin behind me. I'm looking you in the face. And I see that in this moment in your brokenness, you're worshiping me as much as you think you can. And I'm calling that great love. Yeah. Wow. The posture she had, as you're talking about, is is one of brokenness, one of humility, one of just, hey, this is everything I about me and, and it's laid bare and before you. And that's such a beautiful image, this uh, story or this verse. And 
How do we do that in our life, though, is the question. How do we have that level of brokenness and humility? Well, often with porn, you know, the thing that combats against that is pride and hiddenness. And those two things really battle against our ability and our, to have a posture towards that to God and others. So we have this pride that props ourselves up thinking it's not so bad. I'm going to hide it. I'm going to stuff it. No one needs to know. And the reason what that, why we do that is because we do that as a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. Brokenness is you lay yourself bare before God, fully ready to receive and receive that healing from him. If we try to manage this in our terms, if we try to hide still, if we try to keep those walls up, built up, we're not going to get anywhere with that because that's the posture we're taking. We're, we're, not, we're not coming before God in humility and brokenness. We're coming in with a, with a sense of, hey, I'll, I'll give you this, but I, I'm not giving you the rest of this. And what that does for us is it locks us up even more. It locks us up even more. And then the other aspect too is brokenness component. You know, like, are you broken up about, about the sin in your life? Are you broken up about this porn? Because if you think it's not that big of a deal or... You know, it's it's not something that, that's doing you harm or doing others harm. You're not going to really come with that posture. <laughs> you're going to think it's not so bad. You're going to see it like just like you're biting your nails and it's a bad habit, right? You have to understand the, the break that this is causing between you and God, you and others, and how it's harming you. It is harming you. This isn't just about religious stuff. Like you got to get these rules. You got to ma- keep up to this to get God's approval. No. That's not what we're talking about at all. God has full acceptance and love for you. But if you're if you're coming at it with that approach that I'm going to hold on, I'm not that bad, I have pride, whatever else, you're not going to get any degree of freedom from, from this, this addiction or this battle with porn or other things. You're just not going to get there. So this step is you have to come fully understanding, hey, I am broken. This is everything, God, you know, and, and then that he accepts us, he embraces us. You got to get to that point. And I know that this is a difficult thing. I know, Matt, for you and me both, to come to that place, it, it, it's very humbling. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a difficult place to be. But I'm going to tell you that no matter how afraid you are of that moment with God or with others, the freedom that you're going to experience is worth it. It is 100% worth it. Love you're going to receive from God is worth it. Because God fully loves you, fully embraces you, fully accepts you. We just often are the, the ones that, that keep him at arm's bay. And it doesn't mean that he's not all powerful and knowing and he can't get past that, but he's not going to force us to do anything. We have to be willing to come to that place with him. Yeah. Like I always imagine that lady's day, the lady in Luke seven, like what was her day? Like she woke up in the morning, say she's at home, say she's probably seen the night before, or maybe she's seen that morning. She has that heavy on her heart and she decides to get dressed and go and see the man who can help her. That's not like an instantaneous decision. Like she would have planned it out. Mm-hmm. And how many of us, when we're, we're wanting to confess something, we talk ourselves out of it. Mm-hmm. But she's like, no, I'm going to commit to the plan and do something that's so uncomfortable. And really, there's Pharisees there. They're going to judge me. Yeah. But I don't care because there's one person I'm going to talk to is the one that I need to talk to because I need to get it out. And so you picture that and go, how does that relate to my life? Well, if you've got something that's just like burning on your heart that you need to confess, do you, I know for me, like there's times where I just like wait too long and let it burn up and get even, even worse and take longer. Mm -hmm. And then the sin 
you know, it stays on my mind or the shame. And, and it's like, man, why don't I just confess right away? There's, there's multiple stories of guys that it's like they wait years to confess and then instantly they get forgiven. And it's like, well, why didn't we just confess right away? Yeah. Right. And so you think about what that woman did and there's so much shame and, and, but she did it anyway and she worshiped God and she went to him. And so it's so important to do that. So anyways, for your life, how does that apply? What's the step that you need to take that sometimes you talk yourself out of, but maybe today's the day that you got to go and and open up. Yeah. And believe me, I know that it it seems really scary, but you know, first with God, he gives us such love and acceptance in those moments. And then as we do that, he's going to help us and give us everything we need. And I I really encourage you to do this with God. Even if you have to write it down, you know, everything that you've done, just just to pray that through and talk it through with him. And then when with with others, you know, like I think that he helps us in these areas and he gives us understanding of how to the best go about doing this. I am going to say that as you move forward in your journey in here, you need to have a few people that know everything about you, all the dirt, all the filth, everything. And that might seem really scary to you, but honestly, as you do that and as you move in that, you're going to realize how key that is to your freedom and your victory over porn. You need to have people that have your back or in your corner, trusted people. And we'll talk more about who those are and maybe when we get to accountability and, and community, but you need to be able to disclose with others too. Fully confess to God and and then confess to another uh, another person. You can't beat this alone. You can't beat it in isolation and God doesn't call us to. You know, often I've heard the excuse and it sounds kind of religious, just me and God, right? Yeah. <laughs> but God never calls us to that. He calls us to with him and with others. You know, the great commandment, right? Love God, love others. It's all about relationship. Yeah. And and we need that to get free. Yeah, I like to say God won't tell you everything about you. Because sometimes he'll talk to other people to tell them, to get them to tell you things about you. Right. Because he wants community in our lives. So, so uh, the next one, the the third one, the last one that we want to touch on just from scripture and how does Jesus relate to sinners is the story of the adulterous woman in John 8. And so there's this woman who's been busted in adultery and, and the Pharisees take her and bring her to Jesus, probably drag her there. And she's probably, you know, been in sin sleeping with a guy 20 minutes earlier probably and she she's now and she's in front of Jesus and they go man you, you know you, you should stone this person she was caught in adultery and he says man you know what like whoever hasn't sinned throw the first stone and one by one they walk away and he says to her when it's just her and him he says who of these condemned you and she's like well they not none of them have and he says well then I'm not condemning you either just go and sin no more what I love is that he didn't throw a stone at any of them like when he said Whoever has sinned not can throw the first stone. He was dequalifying the Pharisees, but he was qualifying himself. Like he hasn't sinned. Mm -hmm. So he could have thrown the stone, but yet he didn't. He didn't throw a stone at any of them, which is to say that sometimes certain sins like adultery in this story, like pornography in a lot of our lives, we think it's like the worst of the worst. Like it's like, that's, that's a really bad sin. Like other sins are, you know, they're okay. Like maybe they're not as bad, but, but this is a bad sin. Well, what he was doing was he was bringing it down to the same level that they've all sinned. He was pointing out to the, to the Pharisees and the woman, look, these people have also sinned. They fall short of the glory of God. Every sin under the, under the standard of, of Christ needs to be covered by, by the blood of Christ. And so we think of, of this certain sin that we're struggling with as the worst. I want to tell you, man, Jesus is looking at your heart. 
no matter what the sin is, he's like, I want to fix your heart. I want to heal your heart and show you love. And so one of the many things that we can see from this story is that he's not condemning you for this bad sin that's worse than other sinners. He's going, man, I just want to, I just want to change your, your thinking about this and show you love and then say to you, hey, go and sin no more. I'm going to equip you, especially now by my Holy Spirit, to live a life free of sin. This is such powerful truth, and that's what we're coming back to here, is the steps here is getting honest with God, with others, and then receiving forgiveness. And that's the receiving, what everything Matt's just talking about. In those moments, fully receiving what God says about us, how he responds to us when we come to him. Often we think that, hey, when I reveal something about myself or someone knows something about myself, I'm going to get flack, I'm going to get anger, I'm going to get judgment, I'm going to get someone's not accepting me in that moment or they're going to they're going to think less of me they're going to look down upon me they're just not going to love me and we have all these things that we apply to God we think that he's like that we think that maybe he's like the models we've seen in our own life of maybe someone that uh, has raised us maybe a parent or people in our life like a coach or whatever else right it's people of authority we associate Maybe the maybe sometimes bad models we've seen with God that He's like that, but He's not like that, right? He's completely different. But if we come in the posture of complete openness, honesty, being authentic and real, and broken before God, the response that He gives us spurs us on to the next path of, of towards freedom, which is understanding that we are forgiven. If we can't be fully honest, like Matt said, we're not going to receive that forgiveness. We're going to do it in small little bits and measures and it won't be a full kind of thing. And if you don't know that you're forgiven, that affects your identity completely. You you think that you're no good. And that's where the shame comes in, right? Yeah. Like you, you just think you're worthless. You think you have nothing to offer. And that's when you start to pull back from things in life. Relationships in life, you know, close friends, family. That's when you start pulling back maybe from, from good things you're doing, like volunteering, getting involved in your church, whatever else. Then you just don't think that you're good enough to be there anymore. You think that if people knew about what was in your closet, they wouldn't want anything to do with you. And you think that's how God is. So that's why that's not, that's not the case at all. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, I thought like that too. There were so many times where I looked at porn and that caused me as a direct response to that, the shame, I would pull back from relationships. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it hurt me and it hurt them. And in, in a lot of different ways, I, I was robbed of relationship with others and then they were robbed of what I could provide for them as well, too. Because, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, you might think you're worthless, but God wants to use you. He has a purpose for you. And you are vital and important in the people that God has brought into your life. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you have a role to play in every connection that you have and the connections that will come that you build in the future. You're important. You are. And you have value and worth because God has given you that value and that worth. It is immense. It's beyond description how valuable and worth that you have. And so the shame needs to be broken, though, by the posture we come with and then receiving that forgiveness. Yeah, it's so powerful. So I hope that blessed you going through that that bit of scripture that we went through because, man, the, the truth and love of God is so real and so powerful. And so when it comes time to to apply this to our life, sometimes we're like, okay, this sounds really good, but I don't know everything about what to do. One thing that we just started doing with Restored Ministries is is offering full life disclosure meetings. We call them full life disclosures where you can you can come and you can just meet with somebody and 
and we'll guide you through exactly how to how to do this, like how to get everything out. Uh, what God was saying in John four, like how, like are you willing to be honest? Like we help you be honest with all of the motives of the heart and the lies that we believe and the things that we've done and and things that that uh, we don't necessarily always think of. So mm-hmm. you can, if you want that, you go to restoredministries.ca. You can book a full life disclosure meeting. But we want to just kind of differentiate. What do you do with friends, and what do you do with Maybe maybe not a friend, but maybe just somebody who's not your spouse, basically. And then what do you do with your spouse? So yeah. maybe we can start there. Yeah, so if you're single, and it's important that you do tell somebody. It could be someone that's trusted in your life that you know can speak into your life a little bit. And so your first step here, we will talk more about accountability partners and, and community. But this first step about sharing everything with somebody um, and, and just confessing, you know, this is going to take a little bit of practice on your part. But the confession here. First is with someone who's trusted in your life. Uh, and and then, like I said, that could be a pastor, a friend, um, someone that, uh, you know, that will, will receive that from you. <laughs> and the next thing, though, is if you are married, we, we would say to you, don't start first with your spouse. But I will give you the caveat. Your spouse will have to know. They will absolutely have to know everything. And we'll break down what that means a little bit in, in a coming up podcast here. But you need to learn how to build authenticity, being genuine and fully honest first, because if you don't know how to do those things, and yeah, I'm not saying you're perfect at this, because I don't think anyone's fully perfect at this, but you got to be real. If you're not real with your spouse, they're going to know, and you're going to give half truths, and you're going to cause damage again, again, and again, because you're only going to tell a little bit, but then you'll be like, oh, wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. What do you think that does to your spouse? <laughs> yeah, trauma over and over and over again. Yeah, that's true. And lack of trust. Okay, I can get over this bit. And then, oh, there's more that you weren't telling me before. Mm-hmm. Lack of trust, it just kills marriages. That's right. So what we would recommend and what others have recommended is that you begin the healing journey. You get in a group. You get an accountability partner. And then as you learn and as you, you build that authenticity and being genuine, then that's when you come to your spouse and you reveal everything. And we, we're not talking half truths here, half measures. You've got to tell them everything. And, and it also helps though to know that you have made choices to be on a healing journey. Because if you don't do anything about it, if you say, hey, uh, I look at porn and I'm sorry, but you have no intention at all of changing your life, that's just as damaging. <laughs> because it's like, you know, saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I struggle with drugs but I have no intention of getting him on my life. I'm just telling you for your sake, you know, like what good is that? Cause in yeah. a marriage you need to move in growth. You need to move and become better as husband and wife to do that. You need steps and <laughs> you need steps to growth and healing. And you got to have that in place. So we're going to give you those steps next week, but we want to give you that understanding here. Cause we don't want you from this podcast to go to your wife or your husband and all of a sudden just drop this on their lap without knowing, fully knowing how to do this. Okay. Please don't do that. We're going to try to coach you through this a little bit. And there's other great resources out there to learn about how to do this. Well, look into those first and pray, <laughs> pray about when to do this and how to do this. But it is important for you to know that you need to be fully honest. And if you're married, don't start with your spouse, but you need to start with somebody. You need to tell somebody um, what's going on. And again, that can be what we'll talk more about with accountability in your groups and, and whatnot. But it is important that we be fully honest with somebody and, and first with God, then with others. And this is why we say this about the spouse is because to talk to someone who's not emotionally invested, 
mm-hmm. to the degree of a spouse is really important because otherwise it's just going to be an emotional response 99% of the time. Yeah. And so, I mean, Hey, if you're a spouse out there, I'm going to encourage you. There's a lot of, especially women who have instantly forgiven their husband and just started the reconciliation process right away. I mean, that's what we want. Like we want just quick and full forgiveness. We don't want to lie about forgiveness, but if you're not there, at least say, Hey, I'm going to work on forgiving you. If you can do that right away, you're creating a safe environment for there to be truth and honesty. So I saw a thing on on uh, Instagram lately. If you're an offendable person, you're going to be surrounded by liars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, wow. Right? So you want to be a person who's like, okay, I'm going to seek grace and forgiveness so yeah. that you create a culture of openness and honesty in your marriage. Because sometimes your spouse really wants to share, yeah. but they're terrified of your response. Now, that's not f- saying they shouldn't share. But um, anyways, for for you who are struggling, you want to talk to somebody who's not as emotionally invested in you personally because they can give you practical advice um, and practical like uh, just a listening ear and so that's what you need I would say when you're in the recovery process it really helps for your spouse to know like hey I'm I'm talking with these guys or Mm -hmm. talking with these girls I'm getting help these are the heart issues that I'm learning these are the heart um, the, the, the pressures of my heart or in my life that I haven't dealt with and I never really realized, but now I'm learning how to deal with these life situations or de- or like, oh, I have bitterness in my heart. I didn't realize. Like, yeah. Share that stuff with your spouse. But you don't need to say like, hey, these are all of the people that I've ever fantasized about <laughs> right. in my life. Right, right. <laughs> and hey, I, I, like I watched porn yesterday and the day before and the day before. Some people disagree. Most people say what we're saying. You don't need to say every single time. Yeah. Now, people disagree sometimes because, oh, you're promoting dishonesty in a marriage. No, you're just creating a safe environment where it's not like consistent trauma. So you cover that whole environment, that whole situation by saying, I'm getting help. I have a current struggle and it's not good, but I want it to get better and I'm getting help. And so then when your spouse sees you constantly, like once a week or twice a week, talking to people and applying yourself to get help, that's when you create that safe environment in a home. Yeah, it helped us, like my wife and I, so much because she saw the the steps I was taking. She knew the guys that I was talking to. It gave her a sense of safety to know that I was working at getting this out of my life and, and being honest about it. It wasn't one of those things where she didn't know and that, that kind of create, would create such lack of security and safety in her life because she, she would be like, well, you told me this thing, but I have no idea really what you're doing to, to get this out of your life. So we don't want that. And so you invite your spouse onto the healing journey to a level. And as Matt said, um, we don't recommend that your spouse be your accountability partner. And we'll talk more about that because an accountability partner helps you in building an action plan, a steps and keeps you accountable to those. It's not just about confession. There's more to it. And a spouse that is traumatized emotionally cannot help you do that. They can't. So they do need to know that you're getting help. They need to know the, the steps you're taking and they, th- that's so key, but the day-to-day accountability, we do not recommend at all, at all, because you're just going to create such trauma. So that's why we say that there's, there's things you need to know before you do this. Um, and one thing I will say to you as Matt, you touched upon this. If you are that spouse that has a husband or a wife who is struggling with porn, if you're the one that needs to, to be the one forgiving, um, as Matt said, this isn't an easy thing and it isn't, it, your emotions may not follow this. Like you may not have no emotion that 
would would be positive towards moving towards us like oh all of a sudden i feel a sense of endearment towards them or i feel i don't have anger anymore or uh, i don't feel hurt anymore no no and no <laughs> like we say the choice of forgiveness is is the the start point and the journey of healing is a process and forgiveness is a form of a process too but it always starts with the choice and the, to forgive and um, i'm not going to say that's an easy thing but believe me making that choice it, it frees you as well because if you choose not to forgive what happens then is that locks you up it creates bitterness and anger that actually overcomes you and we don't want that for you and i know this isn't an easy thing we're talking about i mean we're, uh, we don't want to make it sound glib but we've seen it time and time again how choosing to forgive another person and those of us that are married we get this we have to choose to forgive all the time how that frees us up and and puts us on a better path so we just, I just wanted to give that that understanding for you, but I hope this has been helpful. Is there anything you wanted to add there, Matt? Yeah, one yeah. last thing on receiving forgiveness before we close up. It's a really actually important skill, and I'm going to call it a skill, to learn how to receive. You need to learn how to receive forgiveness. We need to learn how to receive grace. And you can know if you're receiving grace by going, yeah, this person, like by, by listening to your words. Sometimes you go, uh, this person, you know, showed me love, but it's probably fake or but they don't know everything or but. And so what's the reason that you justify for why you shouldn't deserve that grace? Is it scary for you if somebody forgives you and you're like, oh, what? Like, I don't need to earn your forgiveness. Hmm. Is it scary? Sometimes it's like you think that you're going to have to go through this whole big process of of reconciliation before you're forgiven and then they just forgive you and you're like um but like you can't actually mean it right like that was too easy i should have to punish myself a little bit more and so sometimes it's like you need to learn to just let go and receive mm-hmm. because i like to say this sometimes we make too much sense for grace to come in because logically we go but i've done all of these things i should get punished for it and you should probably logically, but forgiveness doesn't make sense. Forgiveness from God or from other people, grace, it's like, no, I'm just going to let that go and cover it with love. So it doesn't make sense, but that's like hope giving, right? It's like, oh, I don't need to pay for my sins. That's the gospel of Jesus. And so we need to learn how to receive forgiveness sometimes and just kind of be at rest with that, not justifying why we shouldn't be forgiven because of what we've done. So that's a really powerful thing for us to learn. And it, and it really is a skill to learn how to receive in that way. So hope that helps you guys. If Again, if you haven't listened to Pathway or part one of the Path Out of Porn, go back and listen to part one on the awareness of the problem. This is part two on getting honest and receiving forgiveness. And make sure you tune in the next couple of weeks in healing and community. And finally, part four, lifelong growth. So hope this has been a blessing to you guys. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. And we'll chat next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.